The more you give, the more you get. See, God's math works completely contrary to you and I. But yet the world would try desperately to keep us bound up in its math. Well, you can't lose. If you lose, you can't win. And a lot of people, very sadly, even in the church, live under the weight of the world's math. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. You know, today is Mission Sunday, and we prepared something a little bit special for you, but first I want to kind of introduce it. You know, when we think of missions work, we think of people going afar, going to Kenya or Mexico or Thailand, but I'm here to tell you that our mission field is right here in Texas. Our mission field is our neighborhoods. Our mission field is our workplace. Our mission field is our extended family wherever they be. Our mission field is this town. So don't think of it as something far away. Think of it as your next door neighbor. And I encourage you all to be missionaries and to take on the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach his word and preach his name. Amen. Amen. So in celebration of our mission field here, in celebration of the missions fields that have come into this community and come into our church, we want to sing a song for you that includes hopefully all of the languages that are represented here today. So I want to invite up Pastor Philemon. I want to invite up Pastor Jim Cody, wherever he went. Sarah, if you want to go find him. (laughs) And we're going to sing a song for you today in multiple languages. You'll know this song, How Great Is Our God. How Great Is Our God. Because he takes us from different places of the earth and he brings us together in unity. And even though our country seems so divided right now, Let's take a moment and say, we are the church that stands for unity. And our God is the God that we serve. He accepts everyone. He invites everyone to come to him. Praise God. Praise God. So I hope you take on that challenge this morning of accepting the mission field of this town. The mission field of your neighborhood. The mission field of your life. Wherever that may be. Wherever that may be. He's finding Jim. Just waiting for other <laughs> But um, but during this song, even during the different languages, if if you know them, for heaven's sake, sing. Yes, please sing. If you know, there's we're gonna sing some Spanish, some Swahili, and some Navajo. 
So please, if you know any of the languages, sing out. But the English parts, whenever they come in, please sing with us. And sing, sing your heart out this morning to our God, who is great.
better praise. We can give him better praise. We can give him better praise. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody give him praise and worship him. Worship him like he's worthy God. We thank you today. We magnify your name. Yes, name above all names. You're worthy of all our praise. How great is that name? 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 Lord, we, we just thank you. We just thank you for your presence in this place. That your name is great. Your name is awesome. Your name is lifted, oh God. Your name is glorious, Father. Let your love be felt in this place. Let the assurance of your presence be with us. Thank you for sanctifying. Thank you for delivering. Thank you for setting free. Thank you for forgiving. Thank you for leading. Thank you for guiding. How great, how great, how great is your name. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, we thank you for being here. We thank you for speaking to us, for inhabiting the praises of your people. So we dedicate the rest of this service to you, that you may be honored and glorified in the mighty and powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You may go ahead and have your seats. Thank you so much. Oh, sweet presence of God. How many, how many appreciate Heather and the worship team working? Oh my goodness. And, and Bill working so hard on putting those, those words together. She just asked me, was I surprised? I didn't know anything about it, but I was beyond surprised. It was exciting. To hear Brother Cody up here singing and in Navajo and, and Pastor Philemon singing and Swahili. It was and Heather in Spanish. My goodness. Hey, I tell you, it that's uh and of course they didn't invite me to sing in English, okay? That was probably a good thing. If you've been a part of this church any length of time, you know my English can be questionable. And that is my main language. Well, actually, that's my only language. I, I try real hard. I've tried really hard to do other languages. And if you heard me in other languages, you'd be grateful that I only do English. That was my wife with the loudest amen. I mean, I've been in, in Africa trying to do Swahili. And Pastor Philemon says, please keep it to English, would you? 
I've been in Mexico trying to do Spanish. They just shake their head and say, that's the preacher. I've been in Brazil trying to do Portuguese. Never again. It was not a good thing. It was not a good. In Cuba, trying to do Cuban, not a good thing, folks. Not a good thing. So uh, we'll stick to English. How many love the Lord this morning? Uh, this is Mission Sunday here. Uh, we are going to recognize one of our missionaries here in a little while. But what I want to do uh, for a few moments this morning, uh, before we do that, is I want to uh, take your eyes to the bulletin. Uh, if you would, open it to the very first page. We have been diligently working on it. And I want you to look at that very first square. Our building fund is now down to 47000 Folks, that is incredible. From se- It was seventy-five, eighty thousand at the beginning. 75000 at the beginning of the year, folks. We've down almost $30,000 since January. Now, if one of you feel moved of God, you could, you could write a check for that this morning, and we could get it paid off before the end of the year. Paid, right? I don't see any hands going up that you're the guy or a gal. Okay, well, I just thought I'd throw that out there. But isn't it exciting, folks? Isn't it exciting? And now, and now something to understand, we, we, want to, we want to move forward. There's some other sections of this facility that we want to get for our youth. Uh, right now, we have no office for the, uh, for the pastors uh, for our Monday through Friday. So I work out of my home. Pastor Ray works out of his home. Pastor Philemon works out of his home. Uh, and so we are, are looking, you know, but we want to be good stewards. And we want to get rid of that debt. So we need uh, to do that before we can step forward. We want to get a, a area. Our youth are using our multi-purpose room, the fellowship hall, on Wednesday nights. And there's things that they would like to do that it's a little tough to do uh, inside this facility just by virtue of room. The same thing with our children's ministry. So we want to branch out. We want to broaden out. So we need you to, uh, you know, pray, number one, God. You know, you, could, you own the cattle on a thousand hills and the, the gold therein. So my prayer a lot of times is, God, it's time to kill the cows. We've got to sell them at market, okay? And we've got we to gotta dig up some of that gold and silver. So, uh, you know, God, God's, God, he does that, but he does it through people. He does it through people. And that's, that's the thing that a lot of times we, we have a hard time understanding how God works, folks. I've been serving the Lord as a pastor for over 35 years. You say, Pastor, you got you to figure out how he works? I ain't got a clue. I, I know what his word says, and I've seen God do amazing things in his word. I've seen God do amazing things outside of his word. But one thing that I do know from Genesis to Revelation, God does everything he does through his people. And so... Uh, So in your prayers, say, God, if you're going to use me to channel those resources to get this building paid off so we can move on to other areas of the building, then say, God, so be it. Bring it in and show it to me. And he will. He will do all those things. Uh, Just a lot of exciting things. Uh, Once again, we're always, always, always uh, asking people to get involved. Okay? Uh, Number one reason 
that we try to get people involved is because God's word says if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be serving. That's what God's word says, folks. Uh, and uh, the capacity of that servitude is, uh, you know, what God lays on your heart. It could be, it could be children's ministry. It could be youth ministry. It could be ushers ministry. It could be um, worship. I'm sorry, the worship, the music, uh, you know, we've got great musicians and, and singers, but we always need more. And the, uh, the same thing with children's ministry and stuff. The reason that we can keep everybody's activity down to a minimal is the more people we get involved. The more people that are serving, that means the less time that you have to be out of this service. I, 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 I stand in awe and I stand in gratefulness when people say, Pastor, I don't want to miss a single sermon you preach or a single Wednesday you teach. Well, folks, we got to do what we got to do, okay? And, and uh, so the, the more that we have involved, the less time you have to meet, miss those other services. Uh, but realize you're sowing into the kingdom. Can someone say amen? If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to Proverbs chapter 4. And then I want you to keep your finger there. I'm going to be there in just a few minutes. But I want you to read God's Word. I don't want you just to come to church. And we go through great efforts uh, through Bob and the media ministry. We have Paul uh, Atchison back there working today. Say hi to Paul back there running the screens. Hey. So everything that goes up there is because of him back there. Okay. And so uh, you say, well, Pastor, what happens if it gets messed up? It's probably because I messed it up giving it to them. Uh, so just uh, uh, I appreciate them, and I appreciate all the work that they do in putting those together. But I don't want you to ever get accustomed to just come to church and reading the stuff on the screen. Find where things are in your Bible. So Proverbs 4, you're going to be in there. Uh, and uh, But the other stuff we're going to put on the screen. But I want to go to... Proverbs 4 here in just a few moments. I started a series a few weeks ago, and I titled the series, All of the Losers Win. And we talked about, uh, you know, what that actually means. And a lot of people, when we first started the series, what do, what do you mean losers? I don't want to be a loser. In the, world's, in the world's concept, a loser is really bad. You know, you ever had somebody walk up to you and say, loser? Well, folks, <laughs> yeah, don't go walking around like that. <laughs> but, but the reality is in Christ, we have. We've lost guilt. We've lost shame. We've lost the power of sin over our lives. Because who the Son sets free is free indeed. But in today, I want to wrap up that series. And I, I want to take it in, into just a thought that, I, that I, I, I was putting together when I was thinking of this sermon. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, God, how does this all equate to you? In the, in the world, if you lose, it's not a good thing. If you win, it's a great thing. And God just basically said, well, tell them about my math. Because, you see... In Jesus, the more you lose, the more you win. The lower you step, the higher you go. The more you give, the more you get. 
See, God's math works completely contrary to you and I. But yet the world would try desperately to keep us bound up in its math. Well, you can't lose. If you lose, you can't win. And a lot of people, very sadly, even in the church, live under the weight of the world's math. The reality is I I want you to, to know that by the time we get to the end of this message, by God's grace, you're going to be fired up and you're going to say, you know, I don't care. I might have been a loser in the world, but I'm going to be a loser in Christ, which makes me a winner for glory. Can I hear you say amen? Some of these folks may have, lo- they may have lost in, in marriage. They may have lost in career choices. They may have lost in, in other relationships or other commitments. Something that I learned a long time ago is our world is strewn with the wreckage of countless unexecuted plans and half-finished resolutions and unrealized dreams. Can I tell you, the graveyard is filled with the best songs man never wrote, the best poems never read, the best love never shared, all because man has a tendency to give up and give out. Instead of to stand up and step out. And maybe, maybe this is you this morning. You've tried, you've tried, you've tried. And you say, Pastor, I, I just can't try again. Let me ask you something. What will it take? What will it take to get you to step out of that box that's kept you bound? And what woulda, coulda, shoulda. And step in to that box that has no sides, which is the limitless possibilities of God. A very familiar passage of Scripture, Luke 15. If you do have your Bibles, you're, you're more than welcome to turn there, and, but I don't want you to lose your place in Proverbs 4. Luke 15, Jesus shared that a man had two sons, the younger Son told his father, he said, Father, I don't want to wait till you die to get my inheritance. I want it now. So the father said, okay, son, I'll give you what is yours. And he divided the wealth between the two sons. And a few days later, after receiving his inheritance, the younger son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And then I want you to underline these words in your notes. He wasted all of his money in wild living. He wasted all of his money. How many ever came into a windfall and watched it just kind of blow away? Did you know statistically, and I I don't know the exact numbers because I didn't, I didn't figure it was even worth the time looking up, but statistically, the majority of the folks that win a lottery are broke within a year. I've had people tell me, well, Pastor Young, you know, the reason, the reason uh, I don't get a lot of money is because God knows what would happen to me if I got it. Well, folks, that's your mindset. We already got problems. Because, you see, all coming into money does is gives you the ability to do what you always wanted to do when you didn't have it. So if you're doing things you shouldn't ought to do when you get money, that was already in your heart. All you have the ability now is just to do it.
Well, about this time, look what happens. All of his money ran out. And just as it would be, a great famine swept the land. And he began to starve. Well, he persuaded a local farmer to to hire him. And so he went to work in the fields feeding the pigs. Now, I have great understanding of what it means to feed hogs. You ever been to a hog farm? You ever been around hogs? There are some of the vilest smelling animals in your life. And, I, you know, we, uh, I was raised on a farm, and, and we our crop, our main crop was hogs. We have we had cattle and horses and, and sheep, and we had a donkey, and, and we had goats, and we had a guinea. We had all kinds of animals, but our main crop was, was hogs. Yes. Yes, hogs are considered a crop. When you're in farming, anything that is your main producing aspect is called a crop. Okay? I'm sorry? Amen. So you've yeah, you got to understand so anyway, so we, we had, you say, Pastor, how many hogs? I'm glad you asked. We had 6,000 of them puppies. We never had a freezer without pork. You talk about, and it was in Arizona. The only thing that had more hogs than us was the stockyards in Phoenix. And uh, you, you talk about summertime in Arizona on the hog farm, it was ripe. And to add insult to injury, our hog farm was, was located right behind the city fertilizer plant. Man, it was a ripe summer. But, of course, you live there and you kind of get used to it. We never did have very many friends come by. I was always, I didn't, didn't know exactly why, but it was, it was interesting. So I know what it means to be out there feeding the hogs and and, uh, you know, the Bible goes on to say that, that he was feeding the hogs and, and he was uh, taking all of this stuff. And then I want to drop down a few verses. And it says, when he finally came to his senses. Say that with me. When he finally came to our senses. You know, some of us have to get into the hog trough of life before we come to our senses. We have to realize We've done all we can do, and there's nothing more we can do. We've got to rise up before we can get up. And once we get up, that's when we can start to go up. But you've got to rise up first. He finally came to his senses, and he said to himself, Are not the hired servants? taken care of better than me. Here I'm dying of hunger. And he said, I'm going to go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. Now I want you to stop there just for a second because there's, there, there's something I want you to grab a hold of. us. A lot of us get into this place to where we don't want to try again. And I want you to hear me and I want you to hear very clearly it more has to do with us than it has to do with others. It has to do with humiliation. It has to do with shame. And we don't want to step out of where we were because even though it's a bad place, it's a comfortable place. We already feel bad. We already feel humiliated. We always feel... So 
the issue that has to be overcome to get out of where you are to get where you're going is a little word called pride. It has to be okay that things weren't okay. Do you know a lot of people don't come to Christ because they have this idea, well, that's a crutch. And I don't need religion. Folks, none of us need religion. We need a relationship. And so we won't give our life to Christ because we think if I do that, I'm showing everybody else, you know, that I need something. Well, ladies and gentlemen, look at somebody and say, I need something. And I don't just need something. I need Jesus. That's what I need. He said, he came to himself and began to talk to himself and say, you know, guys, if I hang out here, I'm going to die. So I'm going to go home and I'm going to say, Dad, I'm the problem. Please make me as one of your hired servants. So he returned to his father. And while he was a long way off, say that with me, while he was a long way off. You know what's happening here? As we read the parable, the parable of the prodigal son, we find that the father never went after the boy. Yet when you read the passage, he always knew where the son was. He always knew where the son was. Can I tell you something? Just like in the Garden of Eden when God came looking for Adam, and he said, Adam, where are you? How many think that God probably knew where Adam was? But you know what happened? God wanted Adam to know where Adam was. God wanted Adam to come to his senses and realize, Adam, it ain't about you. It's about me. And as soon as you realize that, then we can get you back on the right track. This is really going to be a great message. So you say, well, pastor, right now it sounds like you're stepping on my toes. That's why it's going to be a great message, folks. The only reason we learn to walk on bottom a little bit better because God's been walking on the top and saying, okay, God, I got it. Okay. While he was a long way off, the father saw him. Like I said, the father always knew where he was. I've talked to people over the years, and they say, well, God's everywhere. I say, yes, God is everywhere. Well, God's moving everywhere. I said, disagree. God is not moving everywhere. When you start moving towards him, he starts moving towards you. When you start doing something, heaven starts doing everything. But not until. See, he said, the father ran to him ran to him. Folks, God so wanting us to get out of that situation that the minute you make a move in the right direction, all of heaven is there. We've been waiting for this. And then the son. Now, you got to grab this. The son, he came to his senses. He had a clue about what was going on. And he said, I realize I messed up. I'm the one that blew up. And even though he saw the humility, the mercy, 
and the grace of his dad. Now, I want you to grab this. He didn't try to turn it around. He still owned it. Now, look at me, please. A lot of us are in the position we're in because we made bad choices. Look at somebody and say, now I know he's going to talk to me. We made some bad choices. We took some wrong turns. You know, we went left when we should have went right. We went down when we should have went up. You know, I'm not sure down's ever a good place to go, okay? But, you know, we, we, you know, we, stepped, we stepped in instead of stepping out. But the boy owned it. And immediately when the dad ran to him, the dad embraced him. The son already knew everything's going to be fine. But he still said, Dad, I'm the one that blew it. He said, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I'm not even worthy to be called your son anymore. But just make me like one of your servants. Now, please, I'm talking about all of the losers winning. We've got to lose this mindset that somehow I'm a victim. We've got to lose this mindset that somehow I didn't do quite as bad as I did. Look at somebody said, yeah, I did pretty bad. This mess is my mess. And I need daddy to change the diaper. Because I was the one that did it. The minute you own it, the minute you say, I'm, I'm not going to hang on to this thing anymore. I'm letting go of this thing. You know what he says? Go get me the finest robe in the house. Go get a fatted calf. Bring the signet ring and put it back on his finger. Put shoes on his feet. All of those are representation of God saying, okay, I'm putting you back. Listen to this. Oh, this is exciting. Listen to this. He said, I'm putting you back to the place you were before you fell. He didn't say you got to climb a ladder to get back to, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know, folks, I love preachers, but some of them are just all jacked up. <laughs> Said, you know, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do the other thing to get you back in right position with God. You know what my Bible says? You got to repent. Amen. Folks, I can never do good enough to get good enough. How, how many out of there, how many out here, how, how many of y'all, how, how many of y'all ever got cleaned up to take a bath? I mean, you kind of just plowed into that water, dirt and all, didn't you? Now, your wife or your husband or whoever cleaned the bathtub afterwards wasn't so happy because they said, my goodness, ring around the tub. I got to take a chisel as bad as that was. Folks, God's got a chisel. And you know where those chisels were? They were put both in the hands and the feet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And he said, I'm cleaning you up with those chisels. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like giving up? If you live outside of Christ, you will feel that way repeatedly. But there are some that live inside of Christ. People that have felt like they've run the gauntlet... And all they have left to do is just kind of go through the motions. 
Oh, I'll come to church. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. Oh, I'll, I'll do what my, my wife, my husband, my kids, I'll, I'll do what the preacher, I'll do what this, because that's what I'm supposed to do. And folks, that, that's all fine. That's all fine and dandy. I've had people say, well, pastor, the only reason I came to church, I want to go to hell. Well, that's a good reason to go to church. Gets you in the door. Of course, you gotta repent, ask Jesus into your heart, and then that secures you from the fires. But there's too many Christians that are just going through the flow. And they say, whatever happens, happens. Oh, it must be fate. It must be my slotted course in life. And because of this, many well-meaning Christians sadly join the mentality of a sect that is huge in the Christian church called fatalism. Fatalism just basically believes you have no control. God's got it all in order. And whatever happens, happens. And I'm just going to go through the motions. And, you know, God's got all of my life set up. And it's just going to take its course. You know, I was looking up, when I was putting this message together, I was looking up the uh, the word fatalism, and I was looking up synonyms. I like to do, I like the thesaurus. The thesaurus is a fun book. You know, it talks about anonyms, and it talks about synonyms. You know, it talks about things that are that are the, the same meaning, just a little variance in the word. Uh, uh, synonyms, and, and then antonyms, are, you know, are the, are the ones that are the opposite, and, you know, uh, this, that, and the other. So I was looking up the synonyms for for the word fatalism. And you know, one of the first words that came up was pessimist. You've heard me define pessimist. Pessimist is a guy that feels bad because he feels good for fear he's going to feel worse when he feels better. Some of you will get that when you leave this morning. That's pessimism. But you know one of the words that was repeated over and over and over in fatalism? Quitter. They just go through the motions because they quit. They just quit. Now, the Bible gives a very different understanding of life. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, what I choose to believe sets my fate, if you will use that word, in the life that is to be. Scripture declares our lot in life has to do more with abundance than just going through the motions. Ephesians chapter 3, very familiar passage of Scripture says, To him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above anything I can ask or think, and here's the key part of the phrase, according to his power at work in me. See, God's power at work in you. When you choose to step out of that box, to step out of that fatalism, to step out of that defeatist mode, it's interesting that word power working in me is the same root word that we get when we go into Romans 8.37, which is the foundation scripture of Victorious Life Christian Center, where it says we are more than conquerors. Can somebody say amen? So listen to me, whether it's life or life's necessity, God tells us greater happiness is to be ours. 
the greater abundance that I'm going to expound upon here in just a moment in comparison to what we lost in the world forfeited by sin. You and I will deal with this sin nature, bought by the blood, filled by the Spirit, living for God, yet we're going to deal with this sin nature until the day the Lord takes us home. Can somebody say amen? See, the Bible says in John chapter 10, and these are verses that you should grab a hold of. John chapter 10, verse 10. It says that the thief, the thief, how many know the devil's name? Thief. Satan. Deceiver. Supplanter. Dragon. The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and that more abundant. What is Jesus talking about? Now, folks, listen to me. I know we can get all caught up in a, in a lot of the preachers that in the, in the prosperity uh, ilk of things. Okay, and they, they take things and bless their hearts. They, they kind of pull this little thing out and they, and they build an entire doctrine around thinking, Okay, that's not what I'm looking at, but let me give you what the actual breakdown of abundance that Jesus is talking about in John chapter 10, verse 10. It's not in your notes, but you need to write this down. Well, I mean, it's in there, but I didn't put John 10, 10. You need to write John 10, 10 in there. When Jesus gives abundance, you know what that abundance literally means? It is the abundance of his grace. His grace is that same word according to his power that works in me. More than conquerors. That's what it says when we have been given the abundance of grace. He is as also we have been given the abundance of peace. What does that mean? It's that peace that passes all understanding. And it says it keeps our heart which talks about our confidence in Christ and our mind, which talks about our life lived in this world victorious because of Christ. And then there's one more thing he says, I give you an abundance of hope. Hope. He said that hope for eternity, that hope for the resurrection, that hope for the rapture, that hope for overcoming victory that gives us the ability to live a victorious Christian life. Are you with me? Now I want you to Proverbs 4. Get your Bibles, okay? Proverbs chapter 4. I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. I'm not sure which uh, that's one that's on the screen, but I don't know which version you're going to have. But I want you to hear this. Look what the Scripture says. My child, who's he talking to? Us, his children, those that have called upon the name of the Lord. My child, pay attention to what I say. How many ever had mom and dad say, pay attention, right after they slapped you? Okay, maybe before, I don't know, okay? Pay attention. Some of the moms out there are saying, he's been at my house, hasn't he? (laughs) Pay attention to what I say. And then he reiterates it. He says, listen carefully to my words. How many think when the Lord puts this in place, he's trying to get our attention? And then he adds kind of a caveat closure. He says, and don't lose sight of it. He says, listen to what I say. 
Pay attention to it and don't lose sight of it. And then the part that I love is he said, let it penetrate down deep in the very essence of your being. Why? Because what I'm about to say is going to bring life and health to every day of your living. Are you with me? So let's go to the word guard. It's on your screen. In your note, it's, it, 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 your uh, Bible, it could use the same word. It says, guard your heart above all else. What he's talking about there is he's talking about guard your emotions, guard your will, guard your determination, guard your thoughts, guard all this because it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. You know what he's saying? Watch what you watch. Listen to what you listen to. Pay attention to what you involve yourself with. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to get you to lose the world to gain Christ. Lose the world. Lose the idea of the norm in this world and grab a hold of the promises and the purposes that I have. And then he makes an interesting injecture here. Avoid all perverse talk. How many have ever been around somebody that the only positive they say is something negative? You know, they'll say something positive, and they say, well, you know, but yeah, it's not me. I, you know, I, I say this respectfully, I say this lovingly, but I want you to hear me. I talk to ministers, ministers in this church. And I say, man, you're doing a great job. Oh, it's not me. It's all God. Duh. Folks, I'm saying this lovingly, please. Don't get offended. If you do, Will's going to come talk to you. We know it's all God. But guess what God uses? Human hands. Human lips. Human feet. With them fine crocodile boots. Folks, remember the prodigal son? It wasn't until the boy came to his senses and started stepping out where he was that he started to get where he was going. And as soon as he stepped out, guess what? God stepped in. What I like to say, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, but hearing by the word of God. When you step out in faith, God steps in, in fact. And that's what God's telling us. So, yes, it is God in us that's working all this stuff, but he wouldn't be working it except you were allowing him in your life. So the enemy would try to get us to, well, you know, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me. You're right, it's not you, but it is. Paul said, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in God. Am I making any sense? Avoid perverse talk and stay away from corrupt speech. What he's telling you, watch what you say. Don't negate the fact that God is working in you and through you. And then he says, look straight ahead. 
Look straight ahead. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what's before you. Mark, mark a straight path for your feet and then stay on it. You know what he's telling us? Get your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes on the things of God and stop getting to and fro from all the junk around you. He said it in the very next line. Don't get sidetracked. The minute you start looking somewhere, going somewhere, stepping somewhere, he said your feet will fall into evil. Am I making sense? You didn't realize how much was in Proverbs 4, did you? You know what I find? Most people that don't live a victorious life is because they're either a fatalist or they're a victim. The enemy just keeps them bound in a lie. But when we go back to John 10.10, Jesus was saying that my word expands the very essence of your life. Why? Because my word is going to speak the truth of how I feel about you. He said, it's not so much about the woulda, shoulda, couldas. It's going to be, I'm going to speak that you are more than could have been expected. More than you can ask or think. I'm going to work. Jesus said, I come to give life and something more. Something better. I come to give you life with advantage. When you have all of heaven on your side, how many think you might have an upper hand in life? You see, in Christ, we might not only live, but we can live rejoicing regardless. Why? Because life in Christ is life without death. It is life without even the fear of death. It is eternal life that begins today. Can somebody say amen? I want to say two things more about this real quick. Number one, the life Jesus gives is not so fragile that you have to be afraid that you're going to accidentally lose it. You're not just going to fall out of a relationship with Jesus. Oh, you can step out, you can run out, but you're not going to accidentally fall out. The Bible says in Jude 24 that Jesus is able to keep those who are his. The second thing I want to say is that Jesus hasn't given up on you. Why do you give up on him? Oh, it didn't work out the way I thought it. Okay. Things weren't working like they should. Okay. Well, the people around me, that could be a problem. I have a simple philosophy in life. I love everybody. I don't like everybody, but I love everybody. And I learned something a long time ago. Some do, some don't, some will, some won't. Next. What, do, do I live there? No, I, I learn there. And I go on. Are you, are you all okay out there? Let me tell you a, a couple stories. You ever heard of a guy named uh, uh, John Paul Jones? John Paul Jones was the father of the American Navy, pretty much so. Originally from Scotland, his name was John Paul. And John Paul went through a couple struggles. In, in, uh, when he was 22, he got charged with murder because somebody that he had disciplined on his boat uh, died after being flogged. And uh, 
1773, he was hired by another uh, uh, ship, and the ship uh, mutinied against him because somebody else died. I'm not sure if you want to be hanging around John Paul very much, but that's what happened. Two of his crewmen died. He was charged with murder again the second time, but instead of hanging around to see how it came out, he fled to America. And he added the name Jones to his name. So he became John Paul Jones. Well, when John Paul Jones ran away to America, he literally turned his dead-end street to a victorious avenue. He said, I'm not going to live in what I was. I know where I've been, but I hear that there's something more going on that I could be a part of. So he did. In 1779, he, he uh, took a naval battleship in the North Sea. He commanded the ship called the, the Boham Richard, which literally means poor Richard, against the British Armada fighting vessel called the Serapis. His ship, heavily damaged and looked like it was going to be overran. The British commander called to John Paul Jones and said, Are you ready to surrender? And Jones stood up and said, Son, I have yet begun to fight. Folks, we need to get a a JPJ attitude about our Christian life. Just stand up and say, Devil, I've yet only begun to fight. You see what John Paul Jones was standing up? He said, Oh, this might look like a dead end to you, Mr. British Commander. But to me, it's just a little hump in the road. Well, John Paul Jones went on to destroy the British Navy in that crippled ship. Folks, you might be walking around with a limp because you've been here. You've been there. You've been. But God said, if you'll lose that limp and start dancing in me, I will get you to a place of victory that you don't have to worry about anymore. But he said, you got to lose the limp. But God, it hurts. Oh, yes, it does. But you don't understand. Talk to Jesus when you want to talk about hurt. Nails, whips, crown of thorns. He knows where we've been. He knows where you're at. And he said, if you'll let him, he'll turn that dead end street to a victorious avenue. I looked up the word dead end. You know how it's defined? It's the expression of a situation with no opportunity for progress, advancement, or achievement. That's exactly why many Christians don't go further. What's the sense? Let me tell you some Bible people that had dead-end streets. The first basket case, his name was Moses. Pharaoh had ordered the death of all newborn boys. Well, at three months old... His sister decided to put him in a basket and send him down the river. A dead-end street became a victorious avenue. At 40 years old, he killed an Egyptian, buried him in the sand. They caught him. He ran away. Does that sound familiar? Like John Paul Jones. He said, no, I know what this is going to end up like. I'm out of here. There's sometimes that we have to run from that past before we can ever walk 
into another future. Are you with me this morning? Years later, Moses returned with a message for the Pharaoh. Yet, we know there were ten dead-end appeals before Pharaoh finally let God's people go. But after letting the people go, then Pharaoh pursues him. Let me ask you something. You finally think you got a footing. You're still, oh man, this is good. And then something else happens. Has anybody besides me been there? I just want to make sure I'm not just preaching to me this morning. I mean, all of a sudden, God, hey, praise the Lord, victory. What's that cloud? All of Egypt? God, we just left there. Yeah, the problem was is Egypt didn't leave there, though. And we read the story for 40 years. Oh, yeah, God got him out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of them. That's why none of them went into the promised land except for Caleb and Joshua. See, God has to get Egypt out of us. He has to get the losing mentality of the world out of us before he can get the winning mentality of eternity into us. Can somebody say amen? Well, the Egyptians got caught up to him at the Red Sea and one of history's most notable dead ends became the avenue of victory for you and I and all of God's kingdom. Folks, there is always a good time to step into the abundant life God has for you. There's always a good... Well, Pastor, when is that good time? Uh, today would be a good time. Okay. So, but let me, let me just touch this really quick. I'm going to take you for the next, the next few minutes, okay? Well, Pastor, okay, great, great. I, I, got, I got the picture, okay? I got I to gotta lose the world and gain Christ, which means I have to become a loser to become a winner. But does that mean I have to pretend like nothing ever happened? You know how many people... I talk to you about forgiveness and healing and grace. And they say, well, that's, that's, that's fine. I just can't forget what happened. And I have to ask him in my conversation, did I ever say anything about forgetting what happened? Do you know you may go to your grave remembering exactly what happened? The pain, the discomfort, the hurt. No place in God's word does it say to forget, pretend, or ignore what happened. Sadly, people over the years have told me things like, I can't pretend that nothing happened. I can't just forget, let alone forgive. It's just not that easy. I agree. That's why God's Word doesn't tell you to do that. When Jesus said those nine words that changed all of our lives for eternity. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Do you think he forgot the nails? You think he forgot the crown? Do you think he forgot the lashing that he was a, a, a just a chunk of pulsating meat on that cross? He didn't pretend it didn't happen either. He was living it. But he still said, Father, i got to get beyond for their sake. The Word of God never implies blind faith. And the prodigal son didn't imply blind faith. 
What did he do? He owned it. He faced up to what he did and he literally declared to the Father that he's worthless. He is not worthy to even be called a son because of what he's done. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not talking about becoming a victim, but I am talking about becoming an owner. The time that you blame everything and everyone for where you are or where you've been or what's going on, you lose. We have to realize that Jesus paid the price. And unless we lose where we are, we can never win where we're going. Remember, having or regaining peace does not mean there's an absence of problems. Let me just share some thoughts quickly. Forgiveness is in your notes, folks isn't pretending nothing happened. Forgiveness isn't pretending that what happened didn't hurt. Forgiveness isn't forgetting about it completely. Forgiveness isn't going back and starting over as if it never been. Understand, forgiveness and restoration. Folks, it's on the screen. I wanted to put this definition out there. This is something God put in my heart. How do I forgive? How do I get beyond this? Forgiveness and restoration is all about refusing. Refusing. Say that with me. Refusing to let anything or anyone permanently destroy you, someone, or something else. There was a Hey, lady, folks, I, I left that in your notes because I wanted you to grab a hold of it. We, we have struggle winning because we don't understand losing. And if we do have a grasp of losing, it's a world's grasp. Well, I'm not going to let them off. I'm not going to lose my upper hand over them. There was a, a lady that was, that was driving and a man hit her car at an intersection. Well, she was indignant. She cried out at him that she'd indeed made a left turn signal. And the man who hit her said, Lady, I'll admit your arm was out the window. But first it was up, and then it was down, and then it was straight out. And then it made a couple circling motions. Are you meaning to tell me that's a left-hand turn signal? And she said, silly. The first two signals might have been wrong. But didn't you see me erase them? And then I got the right one. Don't you wish we could just erase those things in life? God, I, I didn't mean to do that. I'm erasing it. And God says, that's fine. But the devil walks around, oh, he did it, he did it, he did it, he did it. That's why when the devil comes up to me and says, you're guilty, I disagree with him. I own it. You're right, devil, I'm guilty. But then I said, Jesus, somebody wants to talk to you about my guilt. 
Folks, I own it. Yeah, but it wasn't your fault. Was it Jesus' fault that took him to the cross? The amazing thing about saying I'm sorry is there's a place for assuring someone else that they've been forgiven, given. But there has to be a resolve that is much more than simple words. You've got to be able to restore. Doesn't mean they're going to be your best buds. Doesn't mean they're going to work for you. Doesn't mean you've got to put them back in the position that they were before. That's between them and God. You put your boundaries. But you don't beat them with it every time you see them. The amazing thing about the abundant life is when we choose to live a life abundant before God, we can make what now is as if it never has been. Are you with me today? David Rover went through a horrific time in Vietnam. He was he was uh, going to throw a military grenade, a phosphorus grenade, um, basically to destroy the enemy. And I don't remember exactly, I, I haven't read the story in a long time, but uh, he got hit, got wounded, and the, the grenade wound up blowing up in his hand. And the phosphorus grenades, they basically put a fire that you, you cannot put out. And so his, his body was burned up. I don't remember, 90%. His hand blown off. Uh, if you ever saw David Rover, if you remember the name, he would go to concerts. He became a great piano player. And he would tell people that he learned to play piano by ear. And then he would pop his false ear off and start playing piano. Yeah, if you've ever... Anybody see Dave Rover? Anybody? Oh, lots of folks, yeah. He, I'm not sure that's how you play by ear, but that's what he did. Anyway, he was just, he was basically badly, badly uh, uh, maligned physically all over his entire body. And well, it was, it was literally weeks before his wife could even see him when they finally let him in after much uh, time had passed. Uh, David saw the horror on her face as she walked in and saw him laying there. But then something happened. She bent over to kiss him and said these words, says, Davy, I love you. And David Rover would share the story that when she said Davy, she knew everything was going to be okay. And then he apologized to her and, and you know, kind of just repeatedly apologized to her. And, and she said, honey, why, why, why are you apologizing? And he said, well, honey, I'll, I'll never be good looking for you again. And she just grinned and said, oh, Davy, you were never very good looking anyway. <laughs> but this became, this became the psychological beginning of his physiological healing. Now listen to me. I share that story because some of us have lived in this box of guilt and defeat for so long that something has to hit us. And the truth may be is you've never been that good anyway. You've never been that great anyway. Or, or some other thing, whatever it is. Because it's only there 
that you can begin to lose what the world has said and win what Christ has said. As the worship team comes, to live the abundant life is all about God's math. You've got to be able to lose to win. To let go to get in. We've heard it said, every one of us, that today is the first day of the rest of your life. It can be an abundant life. But you've got to lose. But let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. What have you got to lose? What have you really got to lose? Some hurt? Is this still on? Did I shut it off? Okay. What have you really got to lose? Some hurt? Some pain? How about some pride? How about some ego? Well, I'm a failure. In whose eyes? I lost. In whose eyes? You say, Pastor, I, you don't understand. It goes, it goes much deeper than that. Folks, yes, I do understand it may. But isn't it time to step out of the boat of insecurity and to see if God won't be walking on the water to catch you before you drowned? See, just like the prodigal's father, all he's doing is waiting for you to come to your senses, waiting for you to welcome him back in that he can run back to you. He's just waiting on you to take a chance on Him. Folks, I know this one thing. Others may have let you down. You may have let yourself down. But God will never let you down. And if you will believe that through Christ all things are possible and then do something about it, you might be amazed at what could happen in this life. The abundant life. But I want to reiterate this. When the prodigal son returned, he didn't excuse what was or what is. He owned it. Well, pastor, how do you own it? You speak about what yet can be. You speak about what through Christ yet can be. Before I got saved, I was in the entertainment business. I played music all over the country. I played in some great big nightclubs that if I told you if you were ever interested in the music business, you would know. I I played in a lot of the big clubs that, that some of the great big stars played in. My band, we would rehearse every single day. We were good. And we rehearsed every single day. And I remember this one statement I used to tell the band because they knew we made mistakes. 
during the concerts, during the shows, during the performances, we made mistakes. And I told him these words, and I want you to hear these words because it applies in your Christian life. These words were very simple. You can make a mistake at the beginning, and you can make a mistake in the middle. But all that we'll remember is how it ended. God's not worried about the mistakes you made at the beginning or in the middle. He says, are you going to end well? Are you going to end well? I know, or I don't know, what kind of childhood you had. I don't know what kind of life you've had. I don't even know where you are right now. But where you are right now, Jesus is present. And if you'll take him in, he'll change your life from just getting by, going through, to living an abundant life that will end gloriously. But that's your choice. I want to open these altars just before we change the order of this service. And maybe you're one of those folks. You've been up and down. You've been in and out. Man, the only up you know is when you've been flat on your back from falling down. And it's looking, God, here I am again. Can I tell you what God's saying? Are you ready to not be there again? You've got to make a decision. So I want to open these altars. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter where you've been, where you're at. All that matters is you say, God, I want to end well. I want to end well. Would you come? Would you come? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.